Happy New Year. You're listening to this episode the week it comes out, and welcome to Balance Black Girl. If you're new here, thank you so much for joining me. If you are returning, thank you so much for coming back. My name is Les, and I have been in these wellness streets for a minute as a personal trainer turned podcaster, yoga teacher, and healthy habit enthusiast, and I really appreciate you being here. So I created Balanced Black Girl a little over four years ago because I loved podcasts, but I was actually having a hard time finding a podcast that truly covered the basis I was looking for. I wanted science. I wanted a little woo-woo. I wanted real talk. And I wanted to hear the perspectives of people who looked a little more like me. So I decided to create it. And in 2023, we're doing things a little different on the podcast. I like to switch things up and just keep it fresh and prevent us from getting in content ruts. So I'm excited to introduce to you monthly themes. So each month, we will have a central focus area that we'll explore on the podcast. We'll have some that will be solos, which is me, some that will feature amazing guests. But my goal is to create just a really dope, expansive podcast that helps make your day better and hopefully inspires you to be the best version of you. So this month's theme is reframing the reset. I actually did a series under the same name last January and y'all really enjoyed it. I got some amazing feedback from our community about it and I wanted to bring it back this time with a little bit more clarity, this time being a little more actionable. So each week this month, I'll be diving into the many ways we can reset in the new year to feel our best all year long. And to support you in bringing what you hear on the podcast to life, we are running a Reframing the Reset challenge. So you can sign up now at balanceblackgirl.com slash reset. And each week this month, I will send you an encouraging prompt that is approachable, that's doable, and it will help you apply what we talk about on the podcast that week to life. So again, that is balanceblackgirl.com slash reset. You sign up there. I'll send you weekly prompts to help guide your healthy habits in the new year, including a habit tracker in Notion to correspond with this week's episode. Now, because this episode is all about resetting your habits, this week's challenge is to establish just one small healthy habit you want to form in the coming weeks. This is going to be your initial focus area, and we're going to talk a bit more about what that entails later in the episode and some strategies you can use to bring that to life. But first, I want to talk a little bit about productivity. During last year's Reframing the Reset series, I talked about seeing productivity as a tool for helping us create space for what matters most to us in our lives. And over the past few months on TikTok, I've actually seen a few videos with people talking about this idea of being high maintenance so that they can be low maintenance, if I'm saying that right, basically putting in specific effort up front to reap the benefit of time later on. And as I've seen these videos, I'm like, yes, that's it. That's spacious productivity. That's exactly what we're talking about. Now, these TikTok videos I'm referencing usually talk a little bit more about beauty. It'll have people say things like, you know, I get laser hair removal, so I can save time shaving and and things like that. What I'm talking about is on a broader scale, though the same principle kind of applies. When I think of spacious productivity, I think about how can we invest time upfront to free us up for what's most important to us. I'm currently reading this book called The Almanac of Naval Ravikant. I hope I'm saying that right. I think I just butchered his name. I'm so sorry. Uh, And in it, he talks about running uphill, saying, if you're evenly split on a difficult decision, take the path more painful in the short term. Now, I'm not saying that 
any of this has to be painful or that we need to seek out pain by any means, I listen, love a soft life, soft life girly, just as much as anybody else. So we can take his phrasing with a grain of salt, but his point is, or at least what I took from that, is that short-term discomfort can lead to long-term satisfaction, right? Where on the other hand, if we're chasing short-term satisfaction and putting off something that's inevitable, then we're actually dragging out the discomfort or what could be difficult. So let's use a very simple example related to budgeting, let's say. We talk a lot about financial wellness here on this podcast. So sitting down to go through expenses and budget is not my idea of a good time. It's not it's not fun like tracking and doing some initial restriction is a form of discomfort. But by taking the time to do it, I can look ahead and say, okay, I have enough money to get me through the next two weeks and then this bill is going to hit and I don't think I'll have enough. So let me make some arrangements in advance. That's uncomfortable, but it's not nearly as uncomfortable as not taking the time to do that realizing I don't have the funds to take care of what I need to take care of and have some stuff cut off. Speaking from lived experience, I have had, definitely had some bills cut off in my day, right? So what do we want to choose? Which is going to give us more space? Where do we want to place our discomfort? Do we want to face our discomfort at the beginning when it's smaller or do we want to drag out that discomfort and let it grow and let it compound and let it get bigger? Over the last year specifically, there's been a lot of conversation about having a soft life, and I love the idea of softness. And I think these conversations have actually really inspired me to lean into softness as well. And I can't think of anything softer than being mindful of where my energy and attention go. So when we think about spacious productivity, it's about redirecting the discomfort to be as minimal as possible. (laughs) It's about directing where we want our time and energy to go as much as we can. Listen, we aren't able to control everything. There are a lot of factors outside of our control in life. We have we have people, we have lives, we have families, we have jobs. But of those pieces where we can direct, like where are we directing that energy and attention to, right? And when we're able to create some space, I think that we can create space for ease and blessings to really come in. So think about some things that are flexible, that are taking up space for you. There's going to be some non-negotiables in there, right? If that's work, if you're a student, if you're a parent, like those those things are a little bit more like set. But there's always room for some negotiation. Last fall, I actually did an episode on time abundance and the importance of healing our relationship with time. We can link that episode in the show notes so you can check it out. But it could be a good time to check back in with your relationship with time. Like what's taking up space that doesn't need to take up as much space as it is? So for me, this often comes down to consumption, particularly on social media. How much content am I consuming? How does what I'm consuming make me feel? Is what I'm consuming inspiring me? How does it make me feel about myself? If how it's making me feel isn't in alignment with how I want to feel, then what adjustments do I need to make? Is the space these habits are occupying even being used well? And and we can be really honest with ourselves about this. Now, I'm never going to tell somebody to not do things that will bring them joy, right? I don't think that life has to be all about goal setting and personal development and 5 a.m. morning routines. I don't think it should. I think sometimes those things can be helpful if you're in a season of really wanting to up-level, but that's not an end-all be-all, and I don't think that we should be in that state all of the time. 
But I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time also believing that spending hours on Instagram is sparking joy. Arguing on Twitter is not sparking joy. Scrolling on TikTok all day, while it is certainly amusing, (laughs) it's probably not adding actual joy, you know? And I'm definitely adding myself right now because I actively have to look within to fight the urge to do these things. And sometimes I still do. I'm still a work in progress. But if we took the time and energy we spent doing those things that are taking up a lot of space, but adding very little value and focused it on aspects of life that we either truly enjoy, that really do bring value, that brought you happiness. And if we saw that as the definition of productivity, I think a lot of us would feel better in our day-to-day. So how can we create and reconfigure spaciousness? Well, we can do that through resetting our habits, which we will get into right after the break. So let's talk about how to reset your habits. Notice I said the word reset, not like make or break, because that tends to sound really intense. It's actually really hard to break a habit, but what we can do is we can modify it. We can redirect it. We can replace some of those unsavory habits with ones that benefit us more. Now, before we get deeper into this, I want to talk a bit about my relationship with habits and how my habits have evolved over time. Though at this point in my life, I have better habits. You know, they're improving the more mindful I am about it. And there are definitely still more that I want to improve on. There were times in my life where I can say without a shadow of doubt, I had horrible habits. Terrible. My sleep schedule, terrible. Relationship with alcohol and drinking out of habit, terrible. We'll actually have an episode later in the series about uh, reframing our relationship with alcohol where I'll be getting into that more. But when my exercise habits were non-existent, when my eating habits were not the most nourishing, when I look back at my late teens and my early 20s specifically, like I don't know her. She lived and moved very differently than the person I am today, some of which is age, right? Having that fully developed frontal lobe will really do a number on you in a good way, trust. But more so than age, a lot of it has been habits. I have really been focusing on one habit at a time until I became a version of myself that was in alignment with the life I envisioned for myself. Now, notice I'm saying version of myself because I'm not like a totally different person. I'm still me, but I am me that is nourished and I'm me that has better focus and I'm me that is taking care of herself a lot more. When we pour into ourselves these these ways, we can kind of show up very differently, but we're still us. I actually think that that makes us even more us, who we show up as when we're treating ourselves with kindness. So the first step to creating and resetting better habits is that identity piece. Who do you want to be? And by who do you want to be, I mean, what version of you do you want to be? Because the goal is not to be someone else. Don't try to be me. Don't try to be a girl on Instagram. The goal is to be you. It's the version of you that is living authentically to your greatest vision for yourself. So when I think about being the best version of myself, I think, okay, who did God create me to be before all of these outside influences got in my head and got in my ear and all that earthly material stuff got in the way? Who was I intended to be? Who did God create me to be before I was influenced to want to be someone else? 
or before I was influenced to think that I want these things that I, I really don't even want, right? Who is she or who are they? How does she feel when she wakes up in the morning? Is she excited and grateful to see another day or is she grumbling and complaining? When she's presented with a challenge, does she roll up her sleeves and get to it or roll up her sleeves and and ask for help or does she cower and does she let it drag on until it's 10 times harder than it needed to be? Is she someone who chases these external factors of success or belonging or does she radiate peace from within, knowing she's good wherever she's at? These are the questions that are really important to ask ourselves because I think most of us would want to be that former. So as we reset our habits and make decisions that influence our actions, we need to be making decisions from that space, right? Make decisions as that person, as that version of yourself. Before we even start doing anything differently, I think it's helpful to start affirming that version of ourselves and identifying with that version of ourselves. So For example, for the past few months, I've been really recommitting myself to getting back on my fitness tip. Like for the past few years, I was still active, but I wasn't really challenging myself. I was doing enough to keep my body moving, but I didn't really have a goal. And trust me, there are seasons where that is okay. That is more than okay. I don't think we need to be going hard all the time. But in 2022, I decided I wanted to recommit to my fitness journey. I just wanted to feel athletic again. I wanted to feel strong. And with my schedule and the current commitments that I have, it simply requires me to get up at 5 a.m. and immediately go to the gym. I don't think that's necessary for everybody. I think the idea of waking up at 5 a.m. if you don't have to can be a little bit overhyped. If you don't have to or if that doesn't feel good to you, don't feel a way about seeing other people do it. And I don't intend for that to be necessary for me for forever. But in this current season, I work full time. Balanced Black Girl is growing. My personal life is getting full. If I wanted to commit to my fitness, it had to be then. There's there's only so many hours in the day. that That's the only hour of the day that I can do it. And some mornings when that alarm goes off, I can get up and I can get straight to it. And other mornings, it's a little tougher. (laughs) It's a little tougher. And recently I had one of those mornings where I got up and I was like, oh, it's a little tough. My alarm went off and I just didn't want to do it. But it was mental. It wasn't physical. I wasn't fatigued. I wasn't worn out. I just simply didn't want to, which it's important to know the difference. So when my alarm went off that morning, the snooze button was calling my name. It really was. Skipping my workout was calling my name. But before I hit that button, I said to myself, literally, I am a person who keeps their commitments to themselves. I am not a person who snoozes on their commitments. That's verbatim what I said to myself. And when I tell you that got me right on up and out of that bed so quick, moving on with my day and what I needed to do. In that moment, I had to remember it's not always about what I want or what I feel like. When resetting and establishing habits, it's about the characteristics that we embody. I am a person who gets up and keeps this commitment, right? Snoozing, I don't know her. I don't do that. I'm not a person who does that. So recently on Instagram, I took some questions that you all had about habits, just seeing kind of what you were struggling with and what I could help with. And a theme that I noticed come up 
was a lot of negative self-talk that I was seeing from some of you where you just said, well, I'm just not disciplined or I'm just not motivated. Like that's verbatim what you said in the question box. And I think that that's a prime example of ways that we can really reframe our identity to align with people who do this, right? You're not unmotivated. You're not undisciplined. You are working on your habits. You're getting there. But if you start affirming, I am not a person who snoozes on their commitments. I am a person who does X, Y, Z, whether that is getting your workout in, getting your steps in, getting your water in, reading your book, whatever it is that you want to commit to doing, you have to start affirming, I am a person who does this. And discipline and motivation kind of don't really have anything to do with it. I mean, there are you know, not insignificant, but it starts with identity. Who do you identify as? And if you don't identify as a person who does those things to reach their goals yet, that's okay. But that's where we need to start. You have to start by affirming that identity. And then it just becomes autopilot. Then you don't need motivation. You don't need to want to because you deeply identify as a person who follows through and as a person who does the things that they say they're going to do. So before you even start shifting your habits, get very clear on the version of yourself that you want to embody. Who is that person, right? What habits does that person have? How can you act accordingly? And it can really help to create an affirmation for those moments where you're just not feeling it. You can borrow my affirmation, the I'm a person who keeps their commitments. I am not a person who snoozes their commitments. And you can come up with something different, but having like a grounding, affirming statement to bring you back to center can be so important. So once you've affirmed the version of you who behaves this way, who has these habits, let's get into how we are actually going to modify or reset your habits to align with that higher version of yourself. Personally, I like to focus on one habit at a time. I have shared, you know, many times my wellness journey. There's several episodes of the podcast really dedicated to my story if you haven't heard it yet and kind of how my life unfolded from there. But what I've now realized more than a decade later, right? Well, I, I started all of this when a seed was planted for me at the age of 20, but now at 33 have been able to stick with it and maintain it has been my habits, but it's really been on focusing on one habit at a time. So when I first became interested in wellness, I actually started with food because I noticed that there was a correlation between what I ate and how I felt. I did not have enough energy to get through my days. And so I started looking at my diet and understanding that when I actually nourished my body well, I started having the energy I needed to power through my day. My first step was to start packing my lunch instead of buying it at work every day. And it, I wasn't even packing like a healthy lunch. I mean, I thought it was healthy at the time, but truly just the habit of packing my own lunch and having a bit more agency over what I was consuming planted the tiniest seed. And then once I got in a groove of packing my own lunch, I started cooking more in general. And then I started replacing cafeteria meals and my daily pizza runs with food that I was making myself. And then when I got more comfortable cooking basic meals, I started going online and looking for recipes with healthy ingredients. And by that point, healthy or healthier eating for me was solidified. I mean, with all of those tiny incremental steps, it became 
a habit. All right. So that's, that's an example. Okay, cool. Now let's get into exercise. A few months after, you know, I started the healthy eating tip, I started getting more interested in exercise. I started having more energy. I wanted to do something with it. So I signed up to do a 5k with my mom because it gave me a goal and something to work towards. And I I don't even think I could run a mile at that point. And I took those small, small incremental steps to train for that 5K simply to get moving more. I was not trying to be fast. I was not trying to be a runner. Lord knows I'm not by any stretch of the imagination. It was purely to have incremental steps to take to start moving more. So by the time the 5K came, I was used to exercising and moving my body. And then I just kept going. And there were tiny steps that just compounded on one another, started choosing movements, started choosing walking, started choosing going outside. And these tiny choices helped me start to become the person that I was affirming. I became a person who packed her lunch and cooked more. I became a person who exercised more because I started affirming that that's who I was, right? So that's what causes habit formation that sticks, not beating yourself up over motivation or discipline or whatever. Who are you affirming yourself to be? And what are the tiny steps you can take that are like proof of concept? Every time you choose yourself, every time you take a step towards those habits, that is proof of concept that you are who you are affirming yourself to be. It is really hard to one day say, I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. and I'm going to start working out and I'm going to start reading instead of watching TV and I'm going to stop eating sugar and I'm going to start walking 10K steps a day, right? Social media has tricked us into thinking you can just wake up and just do these things in one day. I mean, listen, never say never. You can if you want to, but that's probably not going to help you create those habits in the long run, right? What helps is by building one habit at a time. And as you solidify these habits, they build upon one another and slowly over time, you have evolved your lifestyle. Now, I know that's not sexy. I know it's not exciting. There's really not like a hot tip or a button that you can press. It's doing one thing at a time and making it work for you. And if something's not working for you, then it's going back to the drawing board and it's understanding why it's not working and it's modifying and it's continuing to evolve alongside your habits. So I want to share with you a few strategies you can use to reset your habits. Now, the first is called habit stacking, which I think is probably the easiest way to start modifying or resetting your habits. Habit stacking is basically when you pair a habit you want to implement with a habit you already have in a way that feels really seamless and doable. If you've read the book Atomic Habits, you're familiar with the concept of habit stacking, but let's walk through an example of what habit stacking could look like. So let's say you usually call a friend or a family member after work, but you also really want to start taking daily walks and working your way up to, you know, more steps each day. Maybe you then start taking your phone calls while you're on your walks. Now, still being alert and aware of your surroundings, of course, if you're doing this outside. I actually really love doing this with my Kindle and walking on the treadmill while I get my steps in, but it's basically taking something that you were already going to do anyways and adding that healthy habit with it, doing them simultaneously and letting that be kind of the foundation of a new habit, right? Then you start associating when I call my friend, it's time for me to go on my walk and it just becomes natural to do those things together with enough practice. Or maybe you've been wanting to meditate, but you have a hard time sitting still. 
right? So maybe you decide to pair your guided meditations, like maybe using meditations on Open, the app we love, and you listen to them while walking because you were going to take a walk anyway, instead of trying to force yourself to sit. And you're then able to, you know, get the benefit of that guided meditation and to start getting that mindfulness in while taking a walk, which is hopefully something you were going to do anyway. Or maybe you already have a really on-point skincare routine and you take your time applying your skincare and your potions and it's just a beautiful experience for you. So maybe this would also be a great time to repeat your affirmations to yourself because you're already spending time doing the skincare, which is what you were going to do anyway. Repeating your affirmations isn't going to make this harder or make it take more time. Bonus, you'll be saying them while you're looking in the mirror, which is a positive thing. So the idea here is to take something you already do, pair it with an action that you want to do, and start letting that habit solidify together. That way, this new habit is piggybacking on a habit that you already have, making it so much easier for you to stick to. Now, this can also work with being creative and how you place things and tend to your space. So for me, I actually really like to keep my Kindle on my bed. I'm big on everything having a place, and the place of my Kindle when I'm not using it is literally on my bed. <laughs> Like it, it just, it lives on my bed. So when I get in bed each night, my phone is plugged in on the other side of the room. It's natural to just grab my Kindle and start reading to the point where I now associate being in bed with reading. It's helped me, you know, really up my reading goals over the past year and has been a much better habit for me than scrolling on my phone. The other thing that I like to do is I actually like to keep my journal on my meditation pillow because I need to move it when I sit down to meditate and it helps me stay more accountable with my journaling. Again, you're just creating these associations for our brains to recognize, for your brain to recognize. So those are just some examples of things that have helped me, but you know you better than I know you. So look at your space, look at your routines, look at your goals, look at what you want to implement and start finding associations between what you already do and what you want to do and find ways to pair them. And as you pair them, let your habits start building upon one another. Now, the point I just shared about how I use the placement of my Kindle and journal to maintain those habits also gets in the realm of a habit loop, which is another strategy we can use to reset our habits. I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but I would love to recap it again and go into more detail. The habit loop is the idea that all habits revolve around some sort of cue or trigger, which is whatever prompts us to take a certain action, the behavior, which is essentially the habit, and then a reward. So any habit can be a part of the habit loop, good or bad. (laughs) Uh, So let's say smoking, like not here to shame anyone who smokes, but at this point, we all know smoking is not good for us. This is not new information. So if a person smokes, the cue or trigger would be maybe something stressful popping up at work. The action or habit is the person then needs to take a smoke break to calm down. The reward is like that hit of nicotine and the calming effect it has after the person has experienced stress, right? That's an example of how the habit loop can work, even for things that we may not want to encourage. This shows how powerful it is. Similarly, we could say like social media, maybe a person has started feeling bored or is faced with a task that feels overwhelming. So they hop on social media so they don't have to think about it, right? That's the action. 
And then the distraction and the potential dopamine hit is the reward. It distracts them from whatever discomfort, whatever that cue was that caused them to get on it in the first place. Now, I give these examples of not so great, but very human habits so that we can understand how this model applies. So now let's maybe look at how we can make the habit work for us for implementing our healthier habits. So let's say... In order to help you remember to take your vitamins, you start keeping your vitamin container right next to your coffee pot because you make your coffee every day. So when you make your coffee in the morning, you see your vitamins sitting there and that serves as your cue or trigger to take the vitamin. Your reward is the energy and feeling better from having the nutrients you need, also probably from having some of that caffeine. (laughs) So that's an example of how the habit loop can work with us. When modifying habits, sometimes it helps to create a reward for yourself to encourage a certain behavior because oftentimes with healthy habits, we get the reward or the benefit of doing the habit, but it can sometimes take a while, right? It can take a while to really reap the benefits of exercise or to reap the benefits of meditation. We don't necessarily get that immediate hit of you know, reward that our brains are looking for. So sometimes you need to give yourself a reward to help you stick with it. So for example, I had gone a really long time without buying workout clothes. I actually used to work at Lululemon years ago. When I worked there, I bought a bunch of stuff because I had a great discount and I have been really wearing the same workout outfits since Obama was in office, literally. And earlier this year, I was like, okay, I need to start upgrading some of this. Like it served me well, but it's time. But I also wasn't as consistent with getting in the gym as I wanted to be. So I set a goal to work out Monday through Friday for three weeks. My cue to do this was to set out my workout clothes the night before. And when I woke up and saw those (laughs) kind of old workout clothes, it reminded me of my goal to get up and get to the gym and motivated me to want to get some newer, cuter stuff. Uh, So my reward, if I hit my goal of working out for three weeks, was to treat myself to a new workout outfit. So that was the loop I created. The cue workout clothes set out, uh, reminding me to work out, reminding me how much I wanted some new workout outfits. The behavior was going to the gym and working out consistently. And then the reward was a new workout outfit. And I'm really proud because I did it and it really helped me with consistency. And I've actually been a lot more consistent with my workouts ever since. So as part of the Reframing the Reset Challenge this week, I want you to choose one habit, just one that you would like to implement. Honestly, the smaller, the better. And I want you to either stack it with an existing habit you have or create your own habit loop to help you stay consistent with it. So in Club Balanced, our Geneva community, I want you to pop into the monthly challenge room where we'll all be checking in and share with us what habit you're working on and how it's going so that we can cheer you on. So you'll get that support and accountability to keep going. Now we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about creating rituals you'll stick to so that you can actually maintain these habits. Now, as I mentioned earlier, while I was preparing for this episode, I put a story up on Instagram asking if there were any things related to habits that you needed help with. And like I said, most of the responses I got basically were (laughs) advice asking when it comes to consistency. One person said, how do you get to the gym so early and consistently? Another person said, uh, do you have tips for being consistent with your nighttime routine? Another person asked, how do you stay consistent with your life and events and schedule keep you off track? Another person asked for consistency hacks, which we're going to talk about hacks and the idea of hacks in a second, because I really do want to touch on this. But they asked for consistency hacks because they said that staying consistent can be really hard. 
And I think consistency is hard because we're not looking at it in the most helpful way. We tend to see consistency as doing the same things over and over, right? If we do the thing, then we are consistent. That's not necessarily the case. I see consistency as how can we consistently tend to our needs? Now, I post a lot about waking up early and working out early, and I'm currently in a space where I'm doing that consistently because that is a need that needs to be met for me. I personally am in a season where I'm really focused on my business. I have some lofty goals that I want to execute to keep this running and to keep it growing and to show up from a healthy place for this community. And I can't do that without energy. I can't do that if I'm burned out and if I'm tired. If I don't exercise and move my body, I'm just not sharp. I don't show up well. I would be on here making no sense. (laughs) The podcast wouldn't be coming out because I would not have the energy to do it because I would not be following the processes that need to be followed to get it put out consistently. So for me, that ritual I have of waking up, moving my body, it's a form of generating the energy that I need to have to keep all of this going. Like that is just what I need in this season. I'm able to take that action because that is a need that I am consistently looking to meet. However, it's not gonna be a need all the time or permanently or for the rest of my life. And there's gonna be other seasons in life when I need different things. And consistency will look different for me at that time. So for you, you may be in a different season. You may have different needs and how you meet your needs on a day-to-day basis can vary. And that's okay as long as they're getting met in one way or another. Remember our affirmation from earlier, you are a person who keeps their commitments. You are not a person who presses snooze on your commitments. Your commitment is to make sure your needs get met however they can and getting your needs met consistently is what makes you consistent. So for that person who asked for advice on being consistent with your nighttime routine, look at what your need is. You physiologically need to sleep. You physically have to. You, you have to, to survive. For that sleep to be as good as it can be, you need a little transition time between the busyness of the day and when you go to sleep. So instead of seeing that night routine as a chore or something that feels hard to do, take a breath and remind yourself that you are meeting a need, a biological need. So for you, what is it that you need to get rest? This varies for everybody. For me personally, I like a warm shower. I need a dim room, so I'll turn off my harsh lights and I'll have my salt lamp on. I like a cup of tea and my Kindle, as I mentioned earlier, and that's that's what I need to get my, my sleep need met. But get curious with yourself about what you need, what relaxes you, what calms you, what helps you feel rested. The goal isn't necessarily to be consistent with the routine. The goal is to be consistent with the rest. So how do you meet the needs that you have to get the rest that you need to get? Does that make sense? That was kind of a tongue twister. (laughs) Create your routine or ritual comprised of habits to meet that need. Same goes for if life is really hectic. Like maybe you've got a lot going on with the kids and you don't have time to be taking five mile walks and doing all this stuff. That is totally okay. What is it that you need? If your life is like that hectic, maybe you don't need to be taking five mile walks. How can you get your needs met with the time you have? If life is just hectic AF, do you just need a minute to breathe? You can pull up a three-minute breathwork class on Open or on YouTube, and you can catch your breath for one to three minutes, and that works wonders, okay? Even if things are super hectic, can you keep some like bomb, yummy, calming teas in your desk at work and 
when things get going, can you just make yourself a mug of tea and just take a second to breathe and sip it and enjoy the smell and enjoy the flavor and, and help you just feel a little bit more comfort, right? What are tiny ways you can meet your needs from where you are with what you have? There are ways. There are always ways. Now, I want to come back to that idea of hacks, which we mentioned earlier. And y'all, I used to be a fiend for hacks. I was always looking for hacks, fitness hacks, money hacks, productivity hacks, email hacks. I mean, I spent years of my life constantly in search of hacks. And what I've learned is that most hacks are BS. Hacks don't really work. Like most of what we consider hacks, they're commitments. (laughs) They're upholding commitments. They are decisions. I think the internet has trained us to look for a quick tip in everything that we do because we consume very bite-sized pieces of content. So we assume that, you know, if we are having a hard time staying consistent with something, then it must just be like a quick tip that we're missing when really it's usually like a commitment, right? Thinking that other people must have some secret that we just haven't been let in on, I think can sometimes be an excuse that prevents us from doing the thing that we probably know that we need to be doing, right? Most of the hacks we're asking for are not hacks at all. The best hack for waking up in the morning early is going to bed. (laughs) The best hack for being productive is mapping out clear, manageable tasks and eliminating as many distractions as possible, right? The best money hack right now is a combination of getting access to more money and tracking the heck out of it so that you know where it's going. And those things are so annoying to say, but they're true. They're true. And they're things that you already know. You know that. You know. You're smart. You don't need me to tell you that going to bed earlier is going to make waking up earlier easier. You know the answer. You're just maybe hoping someone else will say something different because even though you know what you need to do, you don't want to. And so by searching for hacks and and wanting someone else to affirm, maybe there's a secret you haven't been let in on. It's a way for you to avoid doing the thing that you probably already know you need to do. And I say that with all of the love. (laughs) As a former hack fiend, I wish 10 years ago I would have had someone to tell me that because I probably could have been better with my habits a lot earlier if I would have learned how to stop searching for hacks and started making those decisions and commitments to myself and following through with them. Hey, you don't need me to tell you that. You know the answer. It's just a form of procrastination waiting for an external person to give us a hack or life-changing tip when nine times out of 10, we know what it is we need to do. The hack for doing the things is doing the things. Oftentimes, the hack is making a commitment to yourself and upholding it. And when I learned that, it was really disappointing. Like, boo, tomato, tomato, throwing tomatoes. But it was also very empowering because, friend, it is the truth. So with that, focus on what you need, affirm who you want to be, embody that person, and adjust as needed. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Balance Black Girl. I hope you enjoyed this episode kicking off our Reframing the Reset series. Head to the show notes to join us in the Reframing the Reset challenge to find balance in the new year. Huge shout out to our amazing sponsors for supporting today's show. Please make sure you head to the show notes to check out their discount codes and special 
offers. That also really helps the show. If you do have a brand that you love, using our codes and our links not only hooks you up with a discount, but that lets them know that Balanced Black Girls sent you there. And that really helps us maintain our relationships with our sponsors, which it's like a win-win. And next week, I'm continuing our Reframing the Reset Challenge, talking all about digital self-care and how we can tend to ourselves while living in a digital world. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss it. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a rating and review and share it with a friend. And if you're watching on YouTube, hi, YouTube, we're new here. Please consider subscribing so that you don't miss any of our upcoming video episodes. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you next week. Bye.